Hey, everybody. This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Evan McMorris-Santoro here with our last show from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. Technically, the delegates that are all around us here in Cleveland are here all week for days full of party business, including breakfasts and committee meetings and votes and all that stuff. But for the rest of the country, the convention really happens during prime time, that prime time hours when the television cameras are turned on and the anchors are in their desks and everyone's watching the convention on TV. Answer me now. Is she guilty or not guilty? Until such time as proven vetting mechanisms have been put in place, we don't want them in our country. That's what we're going to talk about today on the show. We're going to talk about prime time in Cleveland. The speakers, the speeches, the, the show busy, Trumpiness of everything. And joining us to talk about that is Catherine Miller, the politics editor at BuzzFeed News. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Evan. How are you? Glad it's day four. <laughs> How much of the primetime have you watched in the hall? Have you watched most of it in the hall or most of it on TV like everyone else? I've actually watched all of it on TV. So look, it's actually good that you've watched on TV because that's what most people have been doing True. is watching on TV. So, you know, considering that primetime is how the party chooses to showcase itself in this four-day commercial that we let the parties have every four years, what kind of party is the GOP advertising in Cleveland? Well, the serious answer hmm. is a pretty split, like visibly split party, and, and that probably would be best with the crews. Ted Cruz uh, gave a speech in which he refused to endorse Donald Trump. And as that dawning, as that realization dawned on the Trump delegation, it got very nasty. Yeah, like loud And he just boos. kept going. Yeah. Because he's a man who knows what it's like to be booed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, this is actually no, an important I mean, fact it, check. He, he was wasn't giving... booed off stage, which people have said. He was no. not heckled off no, that no, stage. No, 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 no. He kept he going. He stood there until the end of that thing. No, and the thing is, is, I mean, basically what he gave was, it was a kind of a three-part thing, which was like partly like policies Trump has talked about and then a lot on kind of the principles of conservatism and sort of, you know, like enlightenment style principles, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, there was some interesting sort of signaling toward um, minorities that would be included in those things in a way that I don't think there's been a lot of this week. And so it was a speech that was very political in a lot of ways and a, sort of a political pitch. Mm-hmm. And that's different than what we've been getting from Trump and like from a lot of the people who are supporting Trump. They're getting sort of like nasty tone and then some principal stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like and that's not being as well received, frankly. Right. One thing interesting we're going to hear from tonight is, of course, we're going to hear from Ivanka Trump. And this is another time we're going to hear from these kids. I have been amazed by, frankly, how good the Trump kids have been. Going into this, they were like, okay, this is a secret weapon that he has. He, they were right. What's also interesting, because we haven't really had this in a long time in this country where you have the, where the children of a politician are in there. You kind of, this a little bit with the Romneys, because yeah. they have those, the, all the boys. But, like, the kids are sort of, like, slightly glamorous adults in their 30s. Right. Right. Um, and they're not middle-aged, and they're also not, like, college kids or, like, right. the Obama girls when Obama was running were, like, little cute kids. Right. That's right. They're not going to make any speeches. No. <laughs> We're their, not big, their big political job uh, in 2008 was to be excited about a puppy. Right. O- overall, how important do you think, because it is, you know, in classic sense, you come to a convention, the entire thing is planned around that hour or two that gets on network television. Yep. How important is that, do you think, still? 
I mean, I've been here in the secure perimeter of Cleveland with <laughs> 15,000 journalists and like 100,000 police officers. So I don't know exactly how everything's reading, but <laughs> it's hard to imagine. So you have like the Melania plagiarism. Uh-huh. That might be the most memorable thing that comes out of this. Yeah. Or it might be Cruz's like disruption from it. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about we did a touch on this but let's get into some of these big moments because we actually used our bot the buzzfeed convention bot it's a cool thing on facebook and you can interact with it's a our facebook messenger thing and you can talk to it and it will talk back to you and you can send it like emojis and stuff like that it's actually really cool people people who are at the convention all can send their stuff to us and you know we can talk to them so we we thought the best way to talk about these big moments in the speeches and in prime time was to ask the bot the people using the bot what they thought of really stood out so obviously we talked about Ted Cruz a little bit, and one of our users, uh, Ryan Vinicombe, wrote in. Uh, he that th- he said his favorite speaker and moment was Ted Cruz because he was the only one in the room who stood up for a legitimate cause, the conservative movement, was able to maintain some level of credibility, not calling for Clinton to be killed or jailed, and didn't sell out to Donald Trump like Ryan Christie and Rubio. Uh, parentheses, LOL. Close parentheses. That's right. Interesting take on that speech, because this is what you're talking about. He, right. Cruz delivered a kind of a classic political speech, and he tried to touch on a bunch of different stuff. And also, you know, with no particular spin on it one way or the other, I mean, I don't care where you come down on this, but there was a lot of talk on the way in of this Never Trump movement having a big role at this convention. And we saw people who were very openly Trump skeptics, like Scott Walker uh, and Paul Ryan, get on stage and say, hey, this guy's great. Like, yeah. And Ted Cruz was like, Nope. And it didn't pass. And look, it wasn't that tough. Like he just, yeah. I mean, he got booed. It's but amazing he, people he didn't are fall to the earth. To me, it's amazing to me that people are so upset in a certain way about it since so many people actually dislike Donald Trump within the Republican Party. Yeah. They, they, I mean, I think we can say one way or the I mean, disaster or not disaster is up to you, but the idea of party unity is not emerging from this thing. We must make the most of our moment to fight for freedom to protect our God-given rights, even of those with whom we don't agree, so that when we are old and gray, and when our work is done, and we give those we love one final kiss goodbye, we will be able to say, freedom matters, and I was part of something Beautiful. We talked about Melania, I mean, about Melania's speech already. Um, you know, an interesting moment that sort of also showcases kind of how this campaign is not exactly operating at the capacity of other campaigns that we're used to. I mean, everyone else has said that what, the first thing you do with a primetime speech, especially one like this, one of these spouse speeches, that's only job is to look good and sound good, run it through the plagiarism machine. Right. They obviously did not I mean, there's d- enormous, like, staffing and coordination issues here. I mean, they knew the Cruz people say that they told Donald Trump two days ago that he was not going to endorse him. They say that they approved the text of the speech. And then they let it go anyway. They let it go anyway. And I assume they think that helps them, and maybe it does. But, like, it's not – it's all everyone's talked about for 12 hours. Yeah, it's weird. Like, where's the mechanics of Nobody's the... talking about Mike Pence. He spoke last night, too. Right. The, <laughs> the, uh, who we should have to say is the VP nominee. Yeah, yeah, you probably don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't remember that he talked <laughs> yeah, last night. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, no, I, I yeah, it, that's right. Like the sort of mechanics of the whole convention have been really tough. Um, let's see other answers that we got from the bot when we asked who was your favorite speaker. Um, Max Lockie wrote in. I was glad I caught Marcus Luttrell's speech because he seemed like the most in the moment and earnest. Marcus Luttrell is the former Navy SEAL. I challenge all of you to fight for this country and for each and every one of us. Look, the world outside of our borders is a dark place, a scary place. America is the light. And her people are the goodness that grows from that. She'll always be worth fighting for, and it was my greatest honor to fight for her every day of my adult life, all right? And I, I just wanted to come up here and thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to serve you for 20 years. And I s swear to God, I'm gonna spend the next 20 paying you back. So thank you again, God bless. He's actually the kind of speaker that I don't know if he spoke in 2012. He may have. He's the kind of person that you basically expect to give speeches about candidates. Yeah, I mean, he's a, and he, and he, and he's a pretty common person at conservative events, and, and he's, he's, a, he's got a big following. And, you know, the Democrats will have people like this, too. That, like, yeah. it, it, this sounds weird, and, like, obviously their, like, background is not comparable. Like, being, like, a, <laughs> like a Navy SEAL hero is not the same as this. But, uh -huh. like, Eva Longoria is somebody who would speak. She's actually very involved in democratic politics and will give a speech that's, like, that's probably pretty good. So you'd say that Eva Longoria is the Marcus Luttrell of Democrats. She's not the Antonio Sabato <laughs> Jr. of no, Democrats. No, I think she probably, yes, she's she's somewhere between those two, I'd, <laughs> well, I'd say, yeah. Another interesting part about this is that there were a bunch of people, so, you know, Marcus Luttrell people know about um, in conservative politics, but Trump also tried to highlight these people who people had never really heard of very much. And the one that really stood out to me was this Michelle Van Etten, who, Ooh, who my girl, Michelle Van Etten. I was born an entrepreneur and dreamer. And by the time I was six years old, I knew it. My dream was to be a circus performer. Michelle Van Etten from oh, Young, yeah. from Youngevity. Is that how you say it? Youngevity? From Youngevity. Know, you know, last night she said she ran a fashion company, but that's not what she does. What does she do? She runs a, what is, it's a multi-level vitamin supplement, like, company. It's like one of those companies, like Herbalife, where... I don't know that it's technically a pyramid scheme, but like it's like it's the literal like business of it is structured like a pyramid. It's scheme. pyramid like. It's pyramid like. It's pyramid like. Pyramid -esque. It's pyramid -esque it's a pyramid -esque industry. Yeah. Um, obviously, a pyramid scheme. You know what? It, you know because she said she had a hundred thousand employees, which is what you can say if you have a multi-level marketing company, which right. is the basic. You know that's a, it's that basic thing you remember from TV, where it'll be like, okay, if you find ten friends and they find ten friends. And they find 10 friends, everybody's a millionaire. Right. Um, all right. So, but what do you think about the, but, but this idea of using these outsider people, um, that, that's been a big part of the primetime for Trump, I guess, partially because he can't get people who aren't as uh, inside. No, I mean, you'll see the difference. You'll see a very stark difference next week in terms of like Monday night is Michelle Obama and Bernie Sanders. Tuesday night is like Bill Clinton and then uh, the mothers of the movement. And then Wednesday night is Biden and Obama. And right. it's, I mean, it's like each night is like these, you know, it's like Elizabeth Warren isn't even a headliner at the DNC. Right. I mean, and that's it's actually interesting because that's kind of what the 2012 Republican convention was. You yeah. know, you had all of these big time, like most of the night actually was young, diverse politicians who are like pretty prominent in the party. And a lot of them just aren't like Susana Martinez, the governor of New Mexico, is here. Mm hmm. 
but she's not speaking. No. Nikki Haley, the governor of South Carolina, is here, but she's not speaking. You mentioned Susanna Martinez. Everyone remembers the 2012 convention for the Clint Eastwood thing. Yeah. I remember it for the Susanna Martinez speech. She was super that good. That speech was incredible. And this is and this this is a story of a woman who can tell. She, she's a governor of New Mexico. She grew up a Democrat. She turned into being a Republican and found a, a lot of political success in it. But the way she tells her story and tells her tale, the party is not getting that kind of message on primetime in this convention. Oh, yeah, no. Susanna Martinez can explain to you very clearly and very compellingly why she is a Republican yeah. and why you should be one, too. We talked about many issues, like welfare. Is it a way of life or a hand up? Talked about size of government. How much should it tax families and small businesses? And when we left that lunch, we got in the car, and I looked over at Chuck and said, I'll be damned, we're Republicans. All right, so let's talk about this stagecraft part of this event, right? Let's. The, how Trumpy and like showy and gaudy and gilded has it been? Not as much as we thought it would be. Does that sound about right? What do you, I do. I think that's right. What do you think the Trumpiest moment was? I mean, it's very clear. The one would be when he came in on Monday night. He just sort of, it, it was, he was supposed to appear on Monday night. He was not really necessarily expected to have a white light come on and then be silhouetted by it as We Are the Champions by Queen plays. Man, that door opens. The smoke machine comes mm-hmm. on. They're in shadow. It was it was amazing. It was it was amazing. I really liked it. Really into it. Cool. Yeah. I was really really into it. Now I think the bar's been set for Hillary now. What about the themes? What have been the big themes of this convention? Do you lock think? her up, man? Lock her up. I mean, it's been. I mean, we we, we touched on this you already put too. Her in prison. About the idea that it is it is it, 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 it has been. A lot of negative. There has been a lot of negativity and party split, but it has been a lot of like, like direct actions to take upon Hillary Clinton. Yes, arrest well, I mean, her. Arrest her. Put her in prison. Put her in prison. Get her in that jumpsuit, man. Possibly shoot her. But that was said <laughs> yeah, at, that 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 was, that was said the that, convention. Yeah. That was said at the convention. That was not said at the convention. Whew. It's uh, no. It actually is. I mean, obviously, it is uh, one of the remaining unifying themes for Republicans is like against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Having said that, usually. The tenor of the thing is not like people chanting like Christie did a like a sort of like a mob trial yeah. on Tuesday night. So now let's figure it out. Let's decide. Hillary Clinton, as an apologist for an Al Qaeda affiliate in Nigeria, resulting in the capture of innocent young women, is she guilty or not guilty? <laughs> See, she fights for the wrong people. She never fights for us. Like, if you just divorce it from Hillary Clinton, from Republican politics, from the system that we have, which is pretty stable. Yeah. It does have this weird vibe of, like, chanting for your political opponent to be put into prison is a is not quite a um, an American tradition, for it instance. Sh- it should have been outside the Bastille. Yeah. Uh, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's what like I was looking at. In the tale of two cities. Like, like, right. Yeah. On the charge of bread theft. <laughs> She's guilty. She's guilty, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's how I want to end this. I want to end this with a little radio magic game we're going to play. Ooh. Okay. So what we're going to do is you and I are going to make – because we are talking at around 530. Trump goes on tonight or, like, I guess, much later tonight. What, like right. 10, something, 9, Probably 9 o'clock? Probably 10. 
So what we're going to do is you and I are both going to make a prediction about what Trump's speech is going to be like, something that's going to be in Trump's speech. And then at 10 o'clock, after speech is over, I'm going to come find you in the convention hall. Oh. And I'm going to ask you, and we're going to see if our predictions were right. We're going to do a real-life, no-one-knows-anything moment on the podcast. So here's my prediction that I think. I think that his speech will not have the thing he, that he won't, like, mention any, like, kid or person he met on the trail. Oh, yeah. The, 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 yeah. Those, those things they always do, Ooh. they won't mention anyone so, else. He d- could do the thing. I mean, he never does. He doesn't usually do the mentioning himself. Yeah. But he could do the thing where he talks about the parents of someone who was killed by an illegal immigrant, an undocumented immigrant. That's a very popular. So that might be a gray area for my gray area for my prediction. We'll have to rule that later. You didn't count for murder. I didn't account. You didn't account for murder. (laughs) Well, you should after this week. There's been a lot of violent talk. Um, So So okay, so that's yours. I think it will be, I mean, this is like a kind of a subjective thing, but I think like the actual like broad, I think this will basically sound like a speech from like 1988 in terms of like, I think it'll just be heavy on like law and order. So everyone actually knows if we're wrong or right at this point, because everyone who's listening to this podcast has already listened to the speech. Yeah. But we're going to find out soon. <laughs> yeah. This is like a weird, this, this is like the worst Inception sequel ever, <laughs> but yet we are in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In liter- in, it, it's five hours away from us, for us, but two minutes away for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you already know. All right. We're going to see how this goes. <laughs> okay. So it is several hours later. We are in the queue, the Quicken Arena. Donald Trump has just wrapped up his speech. The balloons have fallen. The convention has been gaveled, closed. And uh, based on our two sets of predictions, Catherine was right about everything, and I was wrong completely. Catherine predicted that we would hear about people who had been uh, killed by undocumented immigrants. Where was the sanctuary for all of the other... Oh, it's so sad to even be talking about it, because we can solve this problem so quickly. Where was the sanctuary for all of the other Americans who have been so brutally murdered and who have suffered so so horribly that got mentioned and Catherine said that the words law and order would be used and they were mentioned like seven times when i take the oath of office next year i will restore law and order to our country there can be no prosperity without law and order but we will also be a country of law and order I am the law and order candidate. So, Catherine, uh, why were you so right? And tell us what you thought of the speech. Ooh, it was quite a speech. It's a, it was a very long speech. It was a very dark, dark vision for America. Or not for America, of America. Yeah. We need that law and order. I've, we just heard quite a bit about it. And uh, it was not, it was completely different than basically any... Uh, you didn't hear about how government is bad. You didn't hear about abortion. You didn't hear about Israel. You didn't hear about basically anything that you've heard the last 20 years from Republican speeches. So this is a new kind of message for the GOP. Oh, yeah. Or one we have heard in a long time. When it comes to how this message works in November, do we know anything? 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I, <laughs> no, I guess not, then, since I don't have the immediate yes. That sounds right to me. All right, this is uh, Evan McMorris-Santoro with Catherine Miller here at the, in Cleveland. We are signing off for our convention coverage, and uh, we'll see you in Philadelphia. No One Knows Anything is produced by me, Meg Kramer, with editorial oversight from Catherine Miller and Eleanor Kagan, and production help from Julia Furlan and Antonia Sarahito. Our music is composed by Beauty Pill. Subscribe to No One Knows Anything on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter, we're at No One Knows, or you can email us at no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com. And if you'll be in Philadelphia next Monday, come to our live show. We'll be there with other BuzzFeed podcasters, Tracy Clayton from Another Round, and Katie Natopoulos and Ryan Broderick from Internet Explorer. You can buy tickets online now at historicalevent.splashthat.com.